So uh, I didn't become a, a, a Christian until I was 25. I'm going to be 53 this coming week. So you can send your birthday presents if you want. That you've got shopping day still. <laughs> Only people like me announce their birthday and then, you know. But so it was October 26, 1992 is my spiritual birthday. And probably within a couple of weeks after that happening to me, I, um, I was zealous to share what had happened to me with anybody that would listen. And I went to, started doing jail ministry. So you'd go into the Denver City County Jail and, and share the gospel for people that were maybe in between sentencing or whatever, got in trouble over the weekend. And I remember, you know, you would go in through security and then you'd go into this elevator. And once you were on the elevator, you were in. There was no looking back. And the second time that we did it, I, the second time that I did it, they told me once the elevator door shut, oh, you're going to be in cell block B by yourself today, Scott. Thank you. I can't wait. I'm, I don't know anything about the Bible or whatever. I just knew I had been changed. And I remember going into the, to the cell block and everybody's behind bars and there's this like common area and then they open the doors and everybody comes out. I say that all to say that, you know, being in prison, being in jail didn't seem like much fun. The reality is we imprison ourselves, so to speak, on the inside when we don't have forgiveness for others. Unforgiveness is a prison, just like this picture. I mean, I just want this to be in your mind. When we have unforgiveness... Maybe there aren't real steel bars in front of us, but there are invisible spiritual walls, uh, bars that, that keep, keep us from being the people that God wants us to be. And the fact is, in life, you're going to be offended and hurt by people. Whether it's intentionally or unintentionally, we're going to, offense and hurt will come. And when Chris was sharing you know, what he shared with me earlier in the week, I said, dude, you got to share that in front of people, in front of the people, because we're living in this craziness. We all feel the oppression and the anger and the frustration and the fear and the, and it's just, it's, it's madness at times. And that's why we started this series that we're in called One Word, where we're just looking at 1 Corinthians 13 and talking about the word love. What does it mean that God is love? What does it mean that we're to love one another? What does it mean that they will know you're my disciples if you have love for one another? And that one word, so what is, what, what is love and what does love do? That's what we've been talking about. And praying that as we leave our gathering and throughout the week in your homes, in your neighborhoods, the workplace, school, sports teams, whatever it is, that love would permeate our lives. People need love. So today we're going to talk about the fact that love forgives. Love forgives. Forgiveness is not a feeling. Love is not a feeling. It's a choice. It's something that we do. Forgiveness is something that you do. It's, it's not what you feel. If you wait for feelings to come around before you forgive, you're going to be waiting a long time. But when you realize that it's a choice, and so what we're talking about in 1 Corinthians 13, 5 is that love keeps no record of wrongs. 
Love keeps no record of wrongs. I was thinking about all the different sports and when you, when you have a score sheet that maybe basketball is the most uh, in-depth in you know, score sheet. So you, you keep track of how many times you, you took a shot, how many points did you make, how many free throws, and how many fouls you got. You get five fouls and, and you're, you're out of the game, right, in, in basketball. A score sheet is a record of what happened. And so what we're learning from this verse is that we don't get to keep score. We have to throw that score sheet away at the end of the day of what has happened to us, the wrongs that have been done to us. If you're married, one of the most important things to remember is, is that a good marriage is two people that know how to say, I'm sorry and I forgive you very well. Because that's, that's how we can't keep score in marriage. It erodes a marriage. Um, friendships, we don't keep score. Any relationship, right? Being good at forgiving. So Jesus said, when the disciples asked him, Lord, teach us to pray. One of the things he says in the Lord's Prayer is, Father, forgive us our sins as we have forgiven those who sin against us. I think it's interesting as we have forgiven those who sin against us. In a sense, we're asking God to forgive us according to the same standard we have in forgiving others. There's a challenge in that. Three things that I think really tend to give us opportunities to forgive or that challenge us to forgive others, first of all, is what people say about us. What people say about us. The old adage of sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. That's not true. All over the book of Proverbs is the power of of our words. The power of what we say has the ability to crush our hearts and to crush us emotionally. And it depends on who's saying it as well. It has even more more power to it. The book of James says that, that our words... Have, are like a, a spark that can set a whole forest on fire. We know a little bit about fires, don't we? That was, those fires are started by a little spark. And so we can damage people by what we say. I bet if I gave you enough time, a minute, you could probably think of something that was said to you, regardless of what age you are, when you were a little kid or when you were in, in elementary school or, or younger. You could recall somebody saying something that was hurtful. And as I was preparing this, I I thought about when I was in the eighth grade, when I was in eighth grade, I was super bashful, very, very shy kid. And uh, we were, we had this breezeway in between classes to get from one building to the other. And every day I would see this, this seventh grade girl, I thought she was super cute, and uh, I would see her and I'd just kind of, you know, not, not say anything and just keep eyes forward, pretend I wasn't admiring how cute she was. And one day, I had a surge of courage. And she walked by and I go, hi, beautiful. I just kept cruising her. <laughs> well, she started writing me notes, love notes. The attention that, that I gave her sparked something in her. She kept writing me these notes, and I was overwhelmed. I wanted to dig a hole. Like, why'd you say that in the first, you know? And, and uh, so probably a, a week passed by with me not responding to any of these notes or anything. 
And she, she caught me, and I was, I was walking down the breezeway, and she goes, I don't care if you don't respond to me. You're fat. It's like, I know. Jeez, pile it on. I remember that. Do I care that she said that now? No. But then I didn't feel very good, right, to hear that. So we can wound people with what we say, and, and we get wounded by it. The other challenge to forgive others is what people think about us. They, people don't have to use words, you know, to hurt us. We can get hurt without words, body language, looks, rejection. And then, then the last one is what people actually do to us. What people actually do to us. Physical abuse, emotional abuse, spiritual abuse, betrayal, those kinds of things, somebody being lied to, those are, are things that people do to us. And I guarantee it, there's not a shortage in this room or who's watching online, there's not a shortage of things to forgive. There, there's not a shortage of, of opportunities to forgive. And for some, they're huge. They're, they're huge. Peter came to Jesus in the Gospel of Matthew, verse 18. And he comes, he comes to Peter and he says, he says, Lord, how many times should I forgive my brother or sister that offend me? He said, up to seven times? Because he thought he was up in the ante in, 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 because the law said three times. You had to forgive three times. So he's upping it, doubling it plus one. So slam dunk, right, right Jesus? And Jesus says, no, 70 times seven you are to forgive. He was using hyperbole to make a point that it's always the proper right thing to do to forgive, to release an offense. And he's not saying on the 491st time you get to not forgive. If, you do the, if you're doing the math in your head, he's not saying that. He's saying it's always the right thing to do. So he begins to tell a parable as well. He says there was a man who owed another man a million dollars. And that man couldn't feed his family, couldn't take care of things in life. And so he goes to the man he's in debt to. And he says, please, would you forgive me of this debt? And the man that, that he owed the money to, it says, Jesus said he had compassion on him. And he forgave him his debt. And Jesus continues the story, and he says, as soon as he, as he left, the, the man that forgave the debt saw the man that just got forgiven. He had a guy by the, by the shirt slammed up against the, the wall and saying, you give me my 17 bucks. You owe me $17, and I want it now. He had just been forgiven a minute ago, million-dollar debt, and he's hassling a guy for 17 bucks. Jesus' point and he said that that man was thrown back into prison until he could pay off all of his debt. Sometimes it's hard to forgive. I want to be very sensitive to the fact that some of you have been betrayed or hurt in very deep ways. How are you going to find it in your heart to release somebody that's, that's hurt you? I think there's, there's three things that, that we need to... to to remember if we're going to be able to express love through forgiveness. The first one is that I need to remember how much I've been forgiven. 
when you focus and realize how much you've been forgiven, it helps you learn how to forgive others. I think that's the point of Jesus' parable. We've been forgiven much. We need to be good at forgiving. A couple little sub-points on this. Forgiven people forgive people. People who know that, that how much they've been forgiven, they forgive others. People who know the gospel, they for, they're good at forgiving because they understand God's heart in it. Ephesians 4.32, the Apostle Paul says, Be kind to each other, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. God is kind and tender-hearted towards us, and He expects us to give that towards others as well. You're never more like God than when you're forgiven somebody. When you've been offended or hurt and you forgive, you're, you're being like God. C.S. Lewis, he said, uh, famous quote, he said, um, to be a Christian is to forgive the inexcusable uh, in others because you know the, the inexcusable has been forgiven by God in you. When we, we, when we get that, sometimes I can't, that's inexcusable. We've been forgiven of the inexcusable. God's done that for us. The, the other part about remembering how much we've been forgiven is, is to refuse to forgive is to deny the power of the cross. And I got to say it again, forgiveness is not a feeling. It is a choice. And what, what, what we get so caught up in is we don't feel we still feel pain when we think about the offense or the hurt, and we think, oh, I, can't, I haven't forgiven them. I don't think that's true. You're, he doesn't say, feel like you forgive. He just says to forgive. It's an attitude and a choice in our hearts. Jesus says something interesting, continuing in uh, the Sermon on the Mount after the Lord's Prayer. He says, if you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly Father will forgive you. But if you refuse to forgive others, your Father will not forgive your sins. That almost sounds conditional, doesn't it? But we know in the gospel, we know in how God works, we don't merit anything from God. I think what, what Jesus, I don't believe Jesus is teaching that forgiveness is, is conditional, that if we do it, so forth. I think what it's showing is maybe we don't understand his forgiveness if we're not willing to forgive somebody else. When we forgive others, even big things, we are showing and expressing that we've received his forgiveness. The second thing to remember in forgiving when forgiving is hard, because let's face facts, sometimes it's way harder to forgive something, whether it's betrayal or whatever, those, those are way harder to forgive than something smaller. So when it's hard to forgive, remember that God is the judge, not us. God is the judge. Let the judge ultimately sort it out. Put it in his hands. It says in Psalm 50, verse 6, And the heavens declare his righteousness, for God himself is judge. Why does God get to be the judge and we don't? Because he knows the beginning from the end. He knows everyone's circumstances. He knows what people's experiences are that maybe helped domino in their life whatever they did to you. He knows the beginning to the end, so you let God be the judge. The gospel is not about fairness. How many are glad that that's true? If the gospel is about fairness, then I'm in big trouble. I think most of us would, would agree with that. 
But, you know, when you think about Jesus on the cross, think about him on the cross and what happened prior to the cross, the scourging, the whipping, the humiliation, the rejection. Then physically, he's nailed hands and feet to the cross, bloody and beaten. And the cross, we often see on pictures of, that, of three crosses way up on this hill that was far away from the city. When we went to Israel, we learned that, that where, the, where the crucifixion Golgotha is, is right along, would have been right along a main road so that people were passing by. The Romans could, could, could scare you by, hey, if you, if you mess with us, if you rebel, this will happen to you. So Jesus was being humiliated by people who saw him with, with criminals, and he saved others and, and all of that, and he can't save himself, and mocking, mocking, mocking. What does Jesus say on the cross? Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. Now, I often think people who make very bad choices that have a domino effect in their lives and the people around them, when they make those choices, they're making it in the moment without any vision for what's going to happen. I think that happens often to people, and that's why you see remorse later. Like, I can't believe I did that. I caused this. And if they could go out into the future and see what they were damaged they were going to do to people... Maybe they wouldn't do it. Maybe, I, I don't know if you agree with me or not. You don't have to, but I think that's true. And I think Jesus was able to say, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. They did know what they were doing. They said, give us Barabbas, crucify him, take him away. Jesus, for the joy set before him, endured the cross. He had a vision for what this agony was going to bring about the salvation of us. And so that's why, I mean, obviously Jesus is, is perfect at forgiving, but he had a vision for that. And I think it's important that we, we learn to think a little bit like that. It helps us when we realize we're not the judge, that God will sort it out in his perfect, righteous way. There was a, years ago, I remember watching a, a little documentary about a guy who was a, a serial killer, and he had murdered like 40 women over a period of time, and he, he admitted that he was guilty as charged. And he had this really stoic look on his face, just this blank look, as he said, I'm, I plead guilty. And then they let, you know, one by one, the victim's families or friends speak to him. And people were like, I hope you rot in hell. I hope you burn. I hope you get tortured, I, you know, wishing all the worst judgment upon him. And this, the last person to speak was this elderly man, long gray hair, long beard, suspenders. And he said, he looked at that guy and he said, a lot of people in this room hate you. He said, but I'm not one of them. He said, you've made it very hard for me to say what I'm going to say. But he said, I know my God wants me to do this. And he says, I forgive you. All the stoic look on his face turned to a little boy bawling his eyes out, that, that criminal. When he heard that, those words, I forgive you, is what he did heinous and horrible? Of course. I, I, I'm not saying that to, to say that somehow everything's okay. But I'm talking about the man that was able to say, say I forgive you. 
he was acting like God in that moment. The third thing is when, when forgiving is hard to do, remember that love demands forgiveness. The nature of love keeps no record of wrongs. 1 John 4, 10 through 11, this is real love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. Dear friends, since God loved us that much, we surely ought to love each other. And then 1 Peter 4, 8 says, most important of all, continue to show deep love for each other, for love covers a multitude of sins. You go back to the, the, the jail, jail cell illustration. Um, unforgiveness hurts us more than it does the person that we need to forgive. And it bring, unforgiveness brings a darkness over our hearts, a darkness over our minds that needs the light of Jesus and the light of gospel, the gospel to shine upon us, upon our hearts. The first person let out of that, that jail cell, so to speak, is us when we, when we forgive from our hearts. So how do we know when we've forgiven somebody? Because I'm sure something has come into your mind or a person, it might have even stirred up something that, did I really forgive that person? Because I still get hurt when I think about what happened to me. Um, how do you know whether you've forgiven somebody or not? When I was preparing this week, I was in this room walking around and praying and thinking and thinking through the message and all of a sudden, two people came to my, my mind that I hadn't forgiven. And, and what they did to me hurt bad. Like, I don't want to forgive. I want to do what we all want to do in retribution. <laughs> but the Lord and I had a discussion, and I said, Lord, really? <laughs> and he said, really. And I forgave them from my heart. And I prayed a blessing over them. And it was hard. So I'm in this with you. This is not me talking down to anybody. Like forgiving is not an easy thing to do because it hurts so much. In Luke chapter 6, it's a condensed version of the Sermon on the Mount. You remember the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus he says, you've heard it said in the old, eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth, but I say to you, love your enemies. Love those you know, who do harm to you. Bless those who curse you. Jesus is saying, listen, I get it. It says that in the law, I'm giving you a new law. I'm greater than the law. I'm, I am greater. So when he says, but I say to you. And I was thinking about that. I thought, we always say, in, in the evangelical world, you know, we'll say, man, I want, I want to be like Jesus. I want to become like Jesus. Discipleship is about being like Jesus. Do I really want to become like Jesus in this area? Because <laughs> the thing about Jesus' leadership and why he's the ultimate leader is he's never, he never asks us anything he's not willing to do himself or already hasn't done himself. And Jesus has forgiven the un. Un, you know, the unthinkable in us, we have to do it in others from our hearts. We have to have an attitude in our hearts to be set free, to put that person, you know, in God's hands. So there's, there's three things that I think you can analyze, you know, in your heart. And, and 
think to yourself right now, who's a person that I need to forgive or I've had to, to need to forgive in the past? And you want to you analyze this, Lord, have I really forgiven? The first thing is when you no longer want to take revenge. That's an attitude of the heart that you can know that you have truly forgiven when you don't want to retaliate. When you're not waiting to, oh, I hope I see this person, I'm going to tell them exactly how I feel, how dare they, cuss them out, punch them in the nose, whatever. You know, when that, when that is gone, when that desire to take revenge is gone, that's a good indicator that, that you've forgiven that person. And then the second thing is when you don't bring up the offense anymore, meaning you don't ruminate on it in your mind. You don't talk about the offense and hurt with other people all the time. Forgiveness is a choice to not take revenge and a choice to stop bringing it up. Two, two main keys. It's not a feeling. And then lastly, when I can pray for that person. When you can pray for somebody and pray and ask God's blessings on them, you know that you've forgiven them. You know that you've put them in God's hands. So what I want to do is right now, just silently in your heart and in your mind, if there's somebody that you need to release and forgive, just begin to pray and pray for that person. Pray for God to touch their life. And if you, somebody isn't already on your mind and heart, ask the Holy Spirit to show you if there's anybody that you need to forgive. And just pray on your own for a minute. get a feeling that there's some maybe somebody in this room that somebody's gone on into eternity that hurt you and you never had a chance to talk it out or reconcile it and that God is challenging you and exhorting you to release them so that the rest of your life you're free release Release them. Let me pray. Father, as I've prayed before, will you forgive us of our unforgiveness of others? Will you release us? Thank you, Lord Jesus, for your example of what you did for us. 
Thank you for your faithfulness and your patience. Holy Spirit, thank you that you're, you're changing us and transforming us. That you go into the hurts and the pains. God, I know people, as they begin to think about people that have hurt them, that those, those wounds and hurts become real. I pray the enemy would have, have no place in restirring things that have already been forgiven and, and put in the past. Lord, we're living in the present with you. Help us to be quick to forgive. Help us to be quick to ask for forgiveness of others as well when we've wounded or hurt each other. Help us to model that not just in our church family, but in our community, everywhere we go. In Jesus' name, amen.